Love. It's a beautiful thing. It can make you feel like you're flying. And it can make you feel like your world is ending. Some will go their entire lives without ever finding love. Some find it many times. For those who have found love, it can be the greatest thing in the world. But for some, it can be the greatest curse. So Gross Productions and the Hellscape presents Till Death Do Us Part Hello everyone, my name is Nels and I am the showrunner and creator of The Hellscape. It's February, the month of love, and what better way to celebrate than with some blood and guts. This is the first episode of three that we will be releasing throughout February. All scripts for the February episodes were written under the prompt, Till Death Do Us Part. We hope you enjoy the show and stay tuned for the rest of the month. And as always, we hope to bring you a devilishly good time. <laughs> Mugs and Kisses by Prismatic Gaze I thought it would be a typical day, but to my surprise, in walks such a beautiful specimen such as yourself. You came in looking so unsure, no doubt in my mind that this was your first time here at my coffee shop. I would never forget someone as gorgeous as you. The way you move. Like steam from a fresh coffee mug. Light, yet distinctively mesmerizing. Your dark roasted eyes met mine with an inquisitive look. I would love to get lost in those eyes. Hey there. Welcome to the bean scene. Hi. I just want to say that this place is really cool. I love the layout. Oh, your voice is like an angel's choir. I'm glad you think so. I like to consider myself quite the decorator. Maybe that's your calling. Don't worry. I won't tell your boss if you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he might already know. Is that so? Yep. <laughs> You're talking to him. I'm definitely not embarrassed right now. <laughs> Your laugh ignites my heart. So, what can I get started for you? What do you recommend? Hmm. You look like the type that would enjoy a white chocolate mocha lavender. Huh. That's actually my favorite. What are you, a mind reader? Stanley? I want to hear you say my name over and over again. Actually, it happens to be my favorite, too. Can I get a name for the order? Isabella. That name suits you so well. Out of all of the meanings, beauty is truly what you embody. 
Isabella, I need to know more about you. I've come to find that you recently started as a hairdresser down the street from my shop. It's nice that you're so close by. At least once a week, you visit the local library to feed your mind. You also like to take care of yourself by attending yoga classes every Wednesday and Friday at 2 p.m. Sure, you're a bit of a party girl, but every morning you wake up at 6 a.m. on the dot. By 9.30 a.m., you share your time with me at my shop. After work, you pick yourself up some groceries, make yourself dinner. You're absolutely perfect. Today, someone approached you after yoga class. It's no wonder you get attention. You are magnificent, after all. So now he has your number. I'm not sure I like this guy. Best check him out. Hmm. Dan Mathenson. An alcoholic that chases anything with legs. And mostly unsuccessful by the looks of it. That slap to the face must hurt. I wouldn't expect anything more from someone that goes into an infested hole like this. It looks to be buzzing right now. Sheesh, what is her problem? Ah, she's just another stuck-up bitch. If she didn't want the attention, she shouldn't be, you know, showing off the merchandise. Exactly. It's not like they ever really have anything interesting to say anyway, so might as well let us cop a feel. Whew, yes, I will drink to that. Yep, a typical misogynist. <sighs> I'm Paul, by the way. I'm Dan. <laughs> Dan the man. As I live and breathe, brother. Obviously, you use your fingerprints, your lock screen. <laughs> You're just on the brink of being wasted. You can barely look at your phone straight. <laughs> You're texting Isabella at this hour? You really are a pig. Of course this bitch ain't answering. You'll regret those words. What do you say we blow this popsicle stand and go somewhere where we can get our dicks wet? Now that... Sounds like a plan, my man. I know just the girl over at this cheap motel. Well, what are we waiting for? I'm just gonna buy us a bottle for the after party. Fuck yeah. Unbeknownst the little Danny boy, I've hired a lady of the night to get him nice and riled up. Only to leave him high and dry. Hey, Dan, my man. Ready or not, here I come. I hope you left some for me. I brought the booze. She already fucking left. Is that why you're sitting on the bed with your undies? Damn it, man. I wanted some, too. Bitch didn't even finish the job. Literally. Fuck. I knew I should have given a half first. Uh, you want a swig? Yeah, let me see that. Man, I gotta piss like a racehorse. Bathroom's right behind you, right? Shit, at least you can right now. I gotta wait for this fucking hard-on to go down. Well, Danny boy, that's not gonna happen anytime soon. Seeing as I slipped in some Viagra. <laughs> You're in the blue balls of your wife, pal. Oh, I swear, it's like all I got tonight is bad luck. 
At least I got this one broad lined up. The fuck was her name? Isabel! Her name won't be soiled by your disgusting mouth. Unfortunately, send an uncanny dick pic to my love, along with a distasteful text, and bada-bing, she no longer wants anything to do with you. This motel is known to have several cases during the year. You'll just be another pervert having succumbed to their own stupidity of autoerotic asphyxiation. It's dirty work, but I'll do anything to protect you, Isabella. Body Death by Auntie Death. What is it? Once upon a time, that answer was simple. In the recent past, a clinician might have simply defined it as the absence and cessation of vital signs. A bit closer to the present, and that same doctor would define it as the absence of brainwaves. The answer is even more unclear today. Step by step over the years, the meaning of the word death has become skewed, moving ever farther away from what our subconscious, our instincts, recognize as death. With the invention of the prosthetic body, science revealed to us that our instincts were entirely incorrect. Life doesn't end at the stilled heart. Body death is no longer the end of one's life. Not anymore. But those instincts are still there. It can't be helped. That uncanny valley. It's like... Some part of us knows it's wrong. It's no surprise that most people experience a visceral response to us. The reawakened. The new undead. I died in an absurd climbing accident. I awoke in the hospital workshop two weeks later. Completely disconnected from myself and my senses for what felt like an eternity, and then I had a body again. In between, there was no heaven. There was no dreams. There was no hell. That infinite, dark void lasted mere seconds, they informed me. They said most people don't even remember it that it was just part of the calibration procedure prior to being reawakened. The technicians quickly sent me on my way, cutting the conversation short in the way that I'd soon learn to expect from everyone. I wasn't the first to be reawakened, but I often felt like I was. I was absolutely still a new thing, A strange thing. When I spoke, it was with a surprisingly accurate-sounding voice. An AI reconstruction, 
based on recordings from my life. Somehow, I think that made things worse. It only took me a few days to get used to the chassis, this new body. Kind of like borrowing someone else's car. If you weren't paying attention really well, you'd forget you're not in your own car. And you'd mess up the parallel parking or cut a turn too tightly. I made it work. The physiotherapist said I was a star student. One of the best, they said. An inspiration to the others. (laughs) What others? I was alone. Not many sign up for this anymore, I learned. The staff would never look me in the eye when they said their sweet nothings, nor when they greeted me or when they departed. That's just how people are now, I discovered. I didn't think anything of it at the time. Just as I didn't take note of the complete lack of mirrors in the facility. When I first saw myself, it was in the reflection of a bathroom fixture. A chrome faucet. I didn't even recognize what I was looking at. Not at first. It was a distorted, metaplastic face staring back with lifeless black eyes. It only vaguely resembled my face. My old face. The expression it carried was not the one I thought I was making. I didn't feel that visceral revulsion the others felt, but I could easily understand where that came from. I knew this second lease on life might be difficult. I wasn't the first one to reawaken, after all. This procedure's big news a few years ago. Everybody's seen the documentaries and news reports, myself included. Everyone knew that the reawakened were disquieting. Human, but not human. Shambling around with various degrees of poise, or lack thereof. Like bizarre, sapient, sentient mannequins. Not everyone got used to their body, not like I did anyway. I expected people to act strange around me. I just didn't expect my husband to react the way he did. He was the one that vouched for the procedure in the first place. I thought he'd be happy I was back. Like I never left. I could have been gone forever. Isn't this better? I wasn't sure. I realized things would never be the same from the moment I arrived home. I could tell he was trying his best to look me in the face, to avoid cringing at my touch, to even tolerate being in the same room as me. But I could also tell he was failing at this effort, too. I heard him throwing up that first night when he accidentally fell asleep on the couch for the third night in a row. I knew. He couldn't stand the sight of me. I wasn't mad. Not at him. Who could blame him? I didn't think he expected it to be like this. I was heartbroken. But so was he. I could see it. I still loved him. 
I could tell he still loved me. At least who I used to be. Or maybe who he wished I could be once again. I wanted to help him. I wanted to be loved again. I wanted to help him love me again. I knew he was wishing for that too. Surely he was. He didn't have to say it. I could tell. It was eating him alive. On the fourth night home, I approached as he was making tea in the kitchen. He froze, sensing me there in the doorway. He didn't turn around as I got closer, didn't say my name. He simply stared and waited. I gently put one of my room temperature arms around him, and he stiffened in response to my touch. But I held the embrace for a moment, and I brought my other arm around. I jammed the knife upward and inward from his ribs, aiming deep for the heart. I wanted this to be quick, to be as painless as possible. It was. I let him slide down gently, quietly to the ground. I slumped down alongside him so I could cushion his descent. And I held him there on the kitchen floor in a pool of spilled blood and tea, gently cradling his head in my lap while we waited for the paramedics to arrive. After a minute of stillness, I realized I was now waiting alone, but I knew he'd be back. I think he realized that too there at the end. Life doesn't end with a stilled heart. Why should love? Made with Love by William Hopkins Dieter and Constance met at a horror convention where they had become enamored with each other in their mutual love of the genre. Having acquainted themselves over the days and weeks that followed, they found themselves quickly casting aside the usual formality of courtship for a more spontaneous form of commitment to one another. Somehow, in a few short weeks, they were at the altar, swearing their loyalties to each other. Till death do us part. Well, this is it. Ooh, don't mind the mess. I've just been too excited to clean lately. Sorry. It's fine. Really. A little mess isn't gonna scare me away. Oh, are you hungry? I bet you are. I'll make us some food while you settle in. Um, I just need to hop in the shower first. You got it, baby. Hey, take your time. I'll start unpacking after I have a look around. Mm, you're the best. Okay. Uh, just don't go anywhere. I'm going to fix you something special. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right here waiting for you, okay? Okay. <laughs> you got it, sweetie. Oh, just don't go into the closet. <laughs> oh, can't have you finding all my skeletons just yet. <laughs> Ooh, skeletons in the closet. <laughs> You're so hilarious. You slay me. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, I'm off to the shower. Alright. Let's see if I can free up some space in this mess of a closet. Huh. 
What are these? Wedding bands. She did mention that she collects some weird stuff. All done in there, babe? Yeah, just try it on. And we'll be like, soup. It's my grandma's secret recipe. And one of my favorites. Ooh, sounds good to me. I'll be right in. Just finishing up unpacking. Meet you in the kitchen? Okay. Yeah, it won't take long. Uh, I make it in big batches and I just freeze it. I just have to warm it up. Oh, you got it. I'm dying for some grub. Oh, no, no, no. Don't you go dying just yet. At least not until you try the soup. I wouldn't dream of it, honey. I can't wait to try your cooking. Here you go. I'll pour us something to drink. You can dig in. What do you think? So good, right? Good is an understatement, babe. It's wonderful. This is delicious. Ah, uh, I'm so glad you like it. Eat up. There's plenty more if you're still hungry afterwards. Wunderbar. I'd love some more. Thank you. Oh, you really are hungry, aren't you? Let me get you another bowl. Thanks, but I feel bad. You haven't even had a chance to touch yours. Oh, no, it's okay. I'll be fine. It'll only take a second anyway. You're the best. Constance begins to fill his bowl a second time as he grabs for the drink. As Dieter reaches for the glass, his vision begins to blur, and he suddenly feels weak and disoriented. <laughs> Babe... I don't feel so good all of a sudden. Oh, don't worry, hon. You'll be fine. Yeah, it's just the tranquilizer's kicking in. It's best if you just relax and, you know, let it happen. What? Tranquilizers. Shh. Yeah, you're okay. Okay. It's time to rest now. Dieter wakes to find himself bound to a chair in a dimly lit room that appears to be a cellar. The door creaks ajar as Constance enters the room, carrying a meat cleaver and wearing a worn-out rubber apron. I am just so glad you liked my husband's soup, sweetheart. This next batch will be made with just as much love. Ah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. See, the trick is to cut down to the bone before snapping it. Take me a bit to clean the meat from this arm of yours. So, 
Yeah, we're gonna have to close up that wound, though. Oh, I'll just cauterize it with this iron. <laughs> okay, sweetheart. I'll be back soon for some more fun. You rest up. We've got your whole life ahead of us. Mugs and Kisses was written by Prismatic Gaze and featured William Hopkins as Stanley, Molly Rock as Isabella, and Zach Rosenfeld as Dan. Body Death was written by Auntie, featuring Esther Gonzalez with Nels Gross as the husband. Made with Love was written by William Hopkins and featured Scott Walnoski as the narrator. Ash Hagland as Constance, and Josh Bliss as Dieter. All music and audio production was done by Nels Gross 